Can I see your microphone for a second, Tammy? Bless you. Thank you. Hey, right now, um, right now, uh, Tiffany Combs is going to come. Tiffany's going uh, Tiffany's going to share a little testimony uh, with us this morning. And so, would you guys welcome her as she comes up to the stage to preach this morning? Just let us have it, Tiffany. Here we go. Give her your full attention. Check one. Okay, thank you. Good morning. morning. That was pathetic. I said what Mark is talking about now. Try it again. Good morning. morning. As Mark mentioned, uh, my name is Tiffany Combs, and um, those that know me know that I have no problem, and especially those that went to Judgment House last year, know that I have no problem speaking in front of people. So when Mark and Dana approached me about talking, about my um, experience with volunteering in church, I didn't even hesitate. Um, apparently, I don't care to do cartwheels and the 2D tall in front of people either. Um, this church, God, and this subject is just something that I'm extremely passionate about, so I'm happy to be up here this morning to share a little bit of my experience and my testimony. Uh, so for a little background, my husband, Daniel, and I were uh, married in September of 2012, and we both attended different churches. So we decided that we wanted to find a church of our own. So we immediately started trying out different churches. Um, some it was actually, I think, fifth on the list, and we immediately knew that uh, whenever we came that it was the place for us. We just loved the message. The environment was very welcoming. But my only hesitation was the size of the church because I'd always went to the small Baptist, old regular Baptist churches where you have 40 people in attendance and that's on like Easter and most of them are your family, your brothers, your sisters, um, just everybody that you know. So that was our only reservation about the church. But despite that, we just continued to attend, um, but that's kind of all we did for a few months. We would uh, show up on Sunday morning, leave directly after church, and you wouldn't see us again until the next Sunday. And that just really wasn't getting us connected. We didn't feel like this was our home yet. That was until our friend who was over the kids' area at the time um, was short of volunteering toddlers one morning. So he messaged me on Facebook and asked if I could volunteer. Again, if you know me, you know that I rarely say no to anything. So I agreed to do this, and it was literally the best decision that I've ever made. It is one hour every five weeks, and now I don't even have to miss out on the sermon because we have two services. But that one hour allows you to do so much for not only this church, but for the kingdom, because it allows parents the chance to sit through service that would otherwise probably stay home, because let's face it, one and two-year-olds just can't sit through an hour-long service. So not only does it do that, but you are also planting a seed in those babies. They're one and two, and you think that you're back there babysitting. But they will grow up to be God-fearing kids and adults because of what you are doing that one hour every five weeks. Um, after that, I've picked up volunteering and guest services. Literally, all you have to do is smile and say hello so anybody can do it. Um, I've also led a crafting life group. I volunteered for different outreach events that we've had, um, like the Judgment House, which I was a hype girl 
Mark said that I'm going to be doing that in heaven, hopefully because it's super fun. Um, and I've also painted murals in the kids' area and even down to simple things like picking out the paint in this room, which if you don't like, it was all Creighton and Mark. So you can blame them for that. Uh, all of this has helped me to feel connected in this this big church. It's helped me to find my we, the people that I can go to if I ever need anything at all. Um, God has gifted each of us with a talent. Not everyone was created to preach, even though Mark asked me to get up here and do so this morning. That was definitely not my talent. Uh, you might be better with kids, with parking outside, with uh, making coffee, or with controlling the lights for service. Our calling as Christians is to use whatever talent God has given us to make disciples to expand his kingdom you might wonder what your talent might be but the best part about volunteering at church is that you can take a test drive so before you make that commitment to serving in that area you can test it out so you can test out the kids you can test out guest services with no obligations to do so again Um, if you feel that that area is not for you then switch it just be open to saying yes to what god has done for you because that is truly what helped me make a 180 in my life. I went from teaching, uh, from marketing and finance to teaching kindergarten because of what God done in my life back here. And I felt that, you know, that connection with the kids and knew that that's what I wanted to do. And God opened that door for me. Um, I'll leave you with this scripture from Matthew 20, 28. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if Jesus came to serve, then who are we to live otherwise? So get out your connection cards and check the box on the back that you would like to get involved. You can also sign up on the app or outside by speaking to someone at the guest services table. And it's as easy as that. Like I said, if you don't like the area that you're placed in, just keep switching until you find a place that's for you. But definitely make sure that you are doing something to make disciples, to expand his kingdom because that one hour every five weeks literally makes a kingdom difference but now mark has asked me to um, go ahead and get everybody ready for offering so if those that would collect the baskets would go ahead and get in place i'm going to let mark pray over it i'm good hey would you give it up for tiffany man that was awesome man that was great Hey, um, so I'm going to pray for our offering, and uh, let's ask uh, let's ask God's blessing on the rest of our time here this morning. Father, I pray that that Jesus, you would just bless this offering, God. What what people give, whether they give here, whether they give online, God, I pray that you would use it, God, to make a difference, Father, and to speak, uh, God, just the gospel to this community and to the world. Father, I pray that you'd bless the gift and the giver. God, if there's somebody here today that didn't plan to give, you're just moving in their hearts right now. God, I pray that they'd be obedient to you and follow you. And, and so, Father, I pray that, God, you would move here today. Uh, and, God, bless this offering. Father, we love you. Speak to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You guys can go ahead and begin to pass those baskets. And... Um, I don't know if these monitors are on, Brent. We might want to turn those off there um, if we can. Hey, listen, really quick. That uh, what you see on the on the screen right now um, is is just a really simple way to serve. You can literally pull out your phone right now. If you're not serving anywhere, I want to challenge you to do this. You can text 606-268-6860. 
text the word serve to that number right now. You will get a text message back and you can sign up to serve right there in your seat, right from your phone. I mean, you can do it right now while you're listening to me talk, all right? So you can go out there and you can talk. Uh, there'll be people, Dana and some others out there at the tables. But if you're not serving anywhere, I want to challenge you to do it. You can pull out your phone, text that number, sign up right now. In fact, I want to ask everyone, if you would, to do something for me. Uh, if you do have a phone, I would encourage you to grab your phone right now, and I'm going to ask you to put a contact in your phone, all right? So if you, if you have your phone on you, I want you to go ahead and open up your phone. You're going to put a new contact number in your phone, and I want you to put the number 606-268-6860 in your phone, and that is Summit Church. All right, and just in case you get a text message from that, uh, anything you ever get something from that number, and odds are very good that you will begin to get things every once in a while from that number. What is this? This is your church. This is Summit. So 606 268 6860. I'll tell you what, if today is your very first time here, or maybe you've been coming for a little bit, you've never filled out a connection card, anything like that, why don't right now you just text the word hello to that number right there? 606 268 6860. Um, and you're just going to hear us refer to that uh, quite a bit. So if you're n new, text the word hello to that number right now. If we can pray for you about anything, text the word pray to 606-268-6860. You're going to hear a lot about that. Um, but man, that's just put that in there and you'll see that. You'll hear that quite a bit. And so man, I just want to invite you to that. Uh, but just like Tiffany said, I want to challenge you once every five weeks, man, what if you just gave, gave that hour to serve? And again, there it is. Look at there, serve, 606-268-6860. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. Uh, today, if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn it on, open it up, whatever you need to do to Revelation chapter 2. Uh, Revelation chapter 2 is where we're going to be at. We're going to be in the first seven verses there this morning. We're in a... 10-week series, we are over the halfway point of Pray EKY, what we're doing in this series. We are just learning how to be a people who pray. We're talking about praying for revival and renewal in eastern Kentucky, and so what we're doing starting today is just different aspects of prayer, and I feel like I want to, uh, feel like I want to share something with our church this morning that I just need to let you know about my life. I feel like I need to share with you this morning um, that I love coffee. I just need you to know that. I just love coffee. I love the way that coffee smells. You know, I love to drink coffee. I love the sound coffee makes as it brews. Hello? Right? I just love that sound. I tell you, I tell you this. I love coffee so much that sometimes when I'm reading a book or watching TV, I don't even drink it. I just like to hold it in my hand. You know, I just, I just love coffee. Um, you know what else? I, I, I love cats. I have two cats. Their names are Socks and Snow. And I didn't name them. If I did, they would be Star Wars names. And, um, but I love cats. And also, I love good cat videos on the internet. I just love a good cat video. I think cat, I think cat videos are, are just a God's gift to us. I'll tell you what I do. Every time I see a good cat video, I want Elena to watch it. And so I'll go to her. Elena, stop whatever you're doing. Watch what this cat does in this video. I just love a good cat video. And, uh, and some of you are, are looking at me and you're thinking this. What are we doing? 
What what are you talking about right now? Or maybe you're here for the very first time and you've already texted the word hello to 606-268-6860. You regret texting that number now? Because you're like, how weird is this guy that's just watching cat videos and drinking coffee? What are you doing? I'll tell you why we're doing this. I'll tell you why I'm talking that way. Because today we're, we're talking about different aspects of prayer. And the first aspect that we're talking about today is worship. And what you just heard me do is a form of, it's a way that worship sounds. Now, now here's the deal. When you talk about uh, worship in church, the first thing that people think about when they uh, think about worship in church is they think about what? They think about music. When most people think about worship, they think about music. And, and listen, listen, you obviously, we just did worship God in music, worship God through music, but worship in and of itself is, is bigger than music. Uh, so, so I just gave you those examples at the beginning. I don't think I worship cat videos. I might need to talk to somebody about it, so you pray for me. Uh, but I, I just gave you that example because that's the way that worship can sound. So maybe you're here and you're not really sure about what worship is. I want to give you a definition of worship. And this definition of worship is as vague and broad as I could possibly make it on purpose. So here's the definition of worship that I'm going to use this morning. And it just simply, it simply is this. Worship is love expressed. Worship is love expressed. I'll give you another definition of worship that I really like from Tim Keller. Tim Keller uh, uh, was a, uh, a pastor in New York City. I love this definition. Worship is an act of ascribing ultimate value to something or someone in a way that engages your entire being. Now, if you're, if you're really paying attention, maybe when you read those two definitions of worship, you're thinking this. Uh, Mark, both of those definitions of worship don't say anything about God. And I want you to know that's on purpose. You're right. Neither of those definitions say anything about God. In fact, you might even be reading those definitions of worship. You know, you think about the definition we're going to use this morning, that worship is love expressed. You might hear that and think this. Well, Mark, listen, if that's all that worship means, we can worship anything. And to that I want to say, exactly. Exactly. See, here's the thing. God made us. God made us in His image. And one of the things that means, it means that you and I are literally created to worship. Well, I mean, we're, we're made to worship. And here's the deal. If you and I don't worship God, we will worship something that God made. Let me say that again. If you don't worship God, you're here, you're not a Christian, I don't care if you're a Buddhist, I don't care if you're an atheist, it doesn't matter what you are. All of us, we're made to worship, and if you don't worship God, you will worship something that God made. This is exactly what the Bible says. The Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 1, says this, We exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. All that verse means is that if we don't worship God, we'll exchange worship that God deserves and give worship to something that God made. I mean, think about all the things that we love. Think about all the things that we're passionate about, the things that are the most important things in our lives. Those are in the position, a lot of those things are, the position of worship, right? Listen to the way, this is an election year, listen to the way that people talk about politicians and their political party. It's as if they're a messiah 
who's come to bring redemption to humanity. Right? They're, they're ultimate. They're going to bring us salvation. We worship celebrities. We worship our favorite sports teams. We worship money. We worship our kids. We worship our spouses. We worship our own happiness and desires. If you don't worship God, you'll just worship something that He made. And this is exactly why Jesus, when Jesus talks about prayer, when He teaches us how to pray, Jesus says prayer starts with worship. We saw this in the series, right? So the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, you guys finish it with me, say it, what is it? Hallowed be your name. What is that? That's worship. Hallowed means lifted up, central. It's in a place of utmost importance. Jesus says, listen, prayer needs to start with worship. See, if prayer doesn't start with worship, then what will happen is we'll just rush into the presence of God. We've got a long list of things that we need, that we want God to do. And we don't treat God like a person. We don't act like we've got a relationship with this person. What we act like when we just rush into God's presence with this list, we treat God like a vending machine or a genie. And we want to download things. We want to get things from Him, wanting to do certain things. But Jesus says, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. Yes, there's times when you're in a situation, you just got to rush into God's presence and cry out for help. And praise God that we can do that. But you're not in that situation every time. And so what you need to do when you're not in that situation is you need to go into the presence of God with worship. See, prayer starts with worship because prayer is about God, not us. Prayer starts with worship because worship takes our eyes off of us and puts it onto God. I mean, that's why the first thing we do every single Sunday, we worship. Right? We, we don't start with the sermon every Sunday. We, we, don't, we, we don't take a survey and ask how everybody feels uh, when they walk in. We just start every Sunday with worship. And you walk in and you say, man, I've had a horrible week. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to worship. Oh, you know what? I'm tired and I don't feel like it. Too bad. We're going to do it. We just start with worship because worship gets my eyes off of Mark and puts them onto God. This is all over Scripture. Look at this verse. I believe it's going to be uh, on the screen here. Psalm 100, verse 4. Watch this. It's very intentional. Enter, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into God's presence with praise. So when we go into God's presence, come with praise. Come with worship. Here's the deal. Worship isn't something that you just do on Sunday. You are worshiping every single day of your life. Because we're going to either worship God or worship something that He made. So we're always worshiping. We might be worshiping ourselves and what we want. We might be worshiping another person, our spouse, kids. We might be worshiping somebody we're watching online. Listen, if we don't worship God, we're going to worship something that He made. And here's the deal. Honestly, and this is a struggle that I had. It's honestly really hard to teach about how to worship. It really is. It's really hard to teach, preach, on how to worship. And here's why. Because you already know how to do it. You're doing it whether you realize it or not. I mean, think about all the things we get fired up and excited about. We're fired up about our team. We, get, we, we eat a good meal at a restaurant. How many of you have ever done this? You eat an amazing meal at a restaurant. You just want to tell people about it. Anybody ever done that? 
right? You take a picture of your food and post it online and then you, you know, put a review online. Or maybe you see a good movie. You want to tell people about it. You go on vacation to a certain place. You come back and you're just raving about it. You can't believe the fun time that your family had. You just want to tell everybody about it. That's what worship sounds like. Here's the thing. We think it's fine to be passionate about your team. We think it's acceptable to be excited about your kids, right? You meet meet a new parent, and they're just showing everybody pictures of their kids, whether you want to see them or not, right? Look at my kids, look at my kids, look at my kids. We think it's normal to be excited about everything except God. We think it's fine to be passionate and to share it about every single thing except God. So here's what I want to do today. I don't want to teach us how to worship because you already know how and you're already doing it. Instead, what I want to do over the next couple of minutes in our time together, I want to talk about why we don't give God the worship that he deserves. And so if you've got a Bible, hopefully by now you found the book of Revelation. We're going to read Revelation 2, 1 through 7. Before we read this, Before we read this, this is John. John writes, the Apostle John, same guy who wrote the Gospel of John, that sort of thing, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, writes the book of Revelation. He writes this. This is seven verses. This is a letter to the church at Ephesus. The Apostle Paul writes a letter to the church at Ephesus. You have it in your Bible. It's called the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, Paul praises the church at Ephesus for how much they love God and how fired up they are about the things of God and all that stuff. Now, this is a letter from Jesus to seven churches. The first one is this church, the church at Ephesus. Let's read this letter. Jesus sends this letter. If you're looking at a Bible, it's in red ink. This is Jesus to the church at Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Watch this. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. Stop right there. Stop right there. This church sounds awesome. This church sounds awesome. Did you see that? Look at this verse, man. Look at this if you've got your Bible on or or open. Two and three. Jesus says, listen, I know your works, church of Ephesus. I know your works. I know what you're doing. You're doing a lot. This church is serving the community. This church is making things happen. Things are happening for God. Here's the thing. This church has good doctrine, man. This church knows what they believe. This church has such good doctrine. Verse 2 says that they actually stand against a lot of false teaching. Watch this. This this church, the church of Ephesus, uh, verse 3, they must have been persecuted somehow, some way. Don't really know what that meant. Don't really know what that looked like. But Jesus says, I know you endured patiently and you didn't give up. You didn't grow weary. They were persecuted for Jesus and didn't give up. This church, look at me, sounds awesome. I would want my kids to go to this church, man. I would want to go to this church. This church on paper looks great. Now, let's keep reading. Verse five, verse 4. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent, 
and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this, I, yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. It's a form of false doctrine. They stood against it. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers. I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This church is doing things for God. This church is, is ma- this church making things happen. Church has awesome doctrine. You share church share uh, pictures on Facebook of what the church of Ephesus is doing. People are going to like it. They're probably going to share it. Jesus says, I have one thing against this church you don't love me like you used to stop for a second I just wonder how big of a deal you think that is that this church is so good on paper and they don't love Jesus the way that they used to just wonder how big of a deal you think that is this is so big of a deal for Jesus that verse 5 Remember, therefore, from where you fall and repent. Do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you. Remove your lampstand from its place. Lampstand to these seven churches. Lampstand is the presence of God and the Holy Spirit in these churches. What Jesus is saying is saying this. Listen, you don't love me the way that you used to. And if you don't get back to, the, back to your love that you used to have, I will literally shut this church down. I will stop coming to this church. You can have your events. You can have everything that you're doing. I will shut this church down if you don't get back to the love that you used to have. Listen, I don't know what that does to y'all. But to me, man, that is horrifying. That you can look good on paper. You can have everything right on the outside. But under the hood, number one, Jesus knows what you're doing. And number two, if you do not have love for God, man, if there's no passion for the things of God, if there's no hunger for more of God in our hearts, if we lose our first love, we have lost everything. Summit, listen to me. This is literally the worst thing that could happen to our church. The worst thing that can happen to our church is not that we would shut down. The worst thing that could happen to this church is not that we would lose this building or whatever you might think the worst thing that would happen to this church is. The worst thing that would happen to this church is that we look good on the outside, we do events, we're making things happen, we got right doctrine, we make right decisions, we all come every Sunday except Jesus Christ. The worst thing that can happen to this church is that we lose our first love. This is why it's so important. You've got to ask yourself, what do I love? Man, what do I worship? I come to church here and I sing these songs, but what do I worship? And Jesus says, listen, listen Ephesus, you have lost your first love. Some, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to us. This is the worst thing that I could do, that I would lose My first love, hunger, passion for Jesus. I remember when I got saved, 18 years old, I was a senior in high school. And listen to me, man, I had a genuine experience with God. I I really did. I I, I didn't become perfect and start glowing in the dark or anything like that. But, but man, I, I had an encounter with the living God. I just did. Radically changed my life. And when I first met Jesus, I was so excited about Jesus. Man, I wanted to tell everybody. I wanted everybody with a, I wanted anything with a pulse to experience what I did. 
And so I literally did this. Um, I mean, it was 1996. And so, so I started making, uh, this is going to alienate some of y'all, but you just got to handle it. I started making mixtapes of different Christian musics. Any, any believers who love Jesus know what a mixtape is. I see that hand. Hallelujah. Bless God. Right? And, and, and listen, I, I promise you I did this. I promise you I did this. Just right around here, you know, lived right around here. And, um, I promise you, I did, you couldn't do what I did today. It would look really shady and you'd probably get thrown in jail. But I promise you I did this. I, I made tons of mixtapes with all kinds of different Christian music. And you know, on the tape liner, you know, you could write what, you know, the liner notes, you can write the songs that are on there. But on the inside of it, I wrote a real short gospel presentation. And I had a backpack filled with these mixtapes. I mean, tons of them that I made. And I would walk around Walmart and Kmart right here in Hazard. And I would go to the, CD, the music section. And I would look for people that were close to my age who were looking for CDs. And I would walk up to them and give them one of these tapes because I thought they might like, might like it. And I would share Jesus with them right there in the, in the the CD section, Walmart or Kmart, right here in Hazard. Man, I was just so fired up. I, 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 did, I did that for a long time. And then I just quit. And, and maybe you hear that and you think, well, Mark, the reason you quit is because we don't have tapes anymore, so it makes sense. And, and, but I just want to be totally honest with you. I quit way before that happened. And I don't know all the reason that I quit, but I know that one reason that I quit is because sometimes I would do that and people would look at me really weird. Especially when I said Jesus. And I don't like it when people think that I'm weird. So I just quit. A couple years later, I went to seminary and got some, got some other degrees and I, and, I, and I started to think that I knew some stuff. And so I really loved being right. And I wanted to know, I wanted other people to know how right I was. Did I love God? I don't know. But I thought I was right. A couple years after that, I became, the, I became a pastor for the very first time. And some church people hurt me. And I got really bitter and angry and hard-hearted. And, and I could keep going. I just share all of that to tell you. Summit, it is extremely easy to lose your first love. In fact, you could lose your first love and you don't know it. You could lose your first love and not know it. This is the worst thing that could happen to me. This is the worst thing that could happen to you as a believer. You're reading your Bible every day and you're coming to church and daggone it, you're faithful and you're serving and you're doing it all right on the paper under the hood. You lost your first love. Jesus says, listen, I'll shut this church down if you don't get it back. How do you get it back? So maybe you're here today and, and, and you are listening to this and you are reading this and you're thinking, man, I think that's me. I used to be so excited about lost people being saved. I'm not anymore. I used to be so hungry for the Bible and I'm not anymore. I used to be so fired up about the things of God and something somewhere happened. And I'm still in it. But Mark, I think I lost my first love. One of the things I love about Jesus and this letter is that Jesus gives the church of Ephesus and me and you an invitation to come back to our first love. I love that Jesus does it. I love that the door of grace and mercy is always open even when we walk away. And, and so Jesus does several things. So if you're here this morning just, just thinking, man, I think that's me. I feel like I've lost 
My first love. What, what do I do? Where do I go? Jesus exactly tells us where to go. And the first thing that He says there, these words are, are, really, uh, are really intentional. you got your own Bible. Underline the word remember at the beginning of verse 5. Remember therefore from where you've fallen. So if I want my first love back, we've got to remember what God's done for us. We have to remember what God has done for us. Listen, the reason that we sing is because church, we've got something to sing about. Anybody? The reason that we celebrate is because we have something to celebrate. We were dead and Jesus brought us to life. We were lost and now we're found. Jesus has forgiven us for all of our sins. Now we're sons and daughters of God. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me, lives inside of you. Do you remember a time when that used to fire you up? When that used to get you excited? When you were passionate about it? Do you remember what God has done for you. Anybody? Well, man, you ought to get excited about it. You ought to celebrate it. Listen, when you read the Old Testament, one of the things that God does in the Old Testament, you see it when they cross the Red Sea. Moses and the Israelites cross the Red Sea. God says, whoa, 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 stop. Get 12 rocks from the bottom. Get 12 rocks from the bottom of the Red Sea. Why 12? 12 tribes of Israel. Get 12 rocks from the bottom. Bring them to the other side. So they get 12 rocks. God, what do you want us to do with the rocks? God says, I want you to build a monument with those rocks. Literally, just take 12 rocks, stack them on top of one another. Why are we going to do that? The book of Exodus, God says this, because every time you look at those 12 rocks, you will remember what the Lord has done for you. Man, in the book of Joshua, they do the same thing. They cross the Jordan. God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody grab 12 rocks. Somebody get 12 rocks. Why do we need 12 rocks? Because you forget what happened. You forget what I did for you. You forget my love. You forget my mercy. So just take those 12 rocks, man. Stack them on top of each other. And when you look at them, and when your kids and, their, and your grandkids look at those rocks, and they say, Daddy, what are the rocks about? Man, son, daughter, let me tell you what happened. God brought us out when we thought it was over. And, and it helps you to remember. Man, can I just tell you, i got to have a journal to help me to remember what God's done. Because I'll forget it. i got to write it down. Maybe you got to put it on your phone. I don't know what you got to do to remember what God has done for you. Never forget what God has done for you. Hello? Listen, doesn't matter how big or small, God never does anything small. There are no small acts, man, of grace and mercy. Never forget what God has done for you. So we got to remember what God has done for us. Literally set some time and just meditate on how God's changed your life, how God's provided for your family, and watch passion rise up in your heart. Watch hunger for more of God rise up in your heart. Take five minutes this week and just meditate on how you wouldn't be where you are were it not for the goodness of the living God and watch what it does to your soul. So we got to remember what God's done for us. Another thing we got to remember is we got to remember what we did at first. Jesus literally says, remember what you did at first. Do the works you did at first. 
Every once in a while, you'll see a, a person that just gets saved. And I love when this happens in this church, man. This is happening right now. I could name people in this church right now, and even in this service. I love one of the things. I love what I've seen when somebody gives their life to Jesus for the very first time, and they just get so fired up. You know what I mean? They're so excited about God. They're so excited about the Bible. And, and they're here early, and, you know, they're always asking questions about God. They're just excited about Jesus. And then they get around some people who've been Christians for a while. And it's as if a lot of people who've been Christians a while look at new believers who are fired up and they look at them and say, don't worry, you'll get over it. It'll fade. Right? It's as if passion for God is weird in church. It's as if excitement for the things of God is just weird in church. And Jesus says, listen, do you remember a time when you were so excited about, about me? Do you remember a time when you were so in love with Jesus? You did not care what anybody thought about you. You ever had that moment? Right? right. Hello? Hello? See, I... I love doing sermons like this. Because some of y'all are like, well, listen, I don't get passionate about stuff like this. I don't get excited about I just don't really get excited that much. Listen, your Facebook reaction to UK's win yesterday would tell me otherwise. I bet there were a lot of y'all up in your houses watching that UK game, and it looked like church up in your house. Hallelujah! Woo! Hands up! And, and, and here's the deal. I heard somebody say this. It's not original with me, but I just found it very convicting. A lot of times in church, you can look at somebody who's really expressive in their worship. Hands are lifted up. You're crying, and you judge them. I heard somebody say one time, never judge somebody that's expressive in their worship in the gathering of God's people because you don't know what they got delivered from. You don't know what God's brought them out of. You might need to talk to them about how, how can you get some of that fire. How can you get some of that passion? Did you know that the book of Psalms, I love that John did this out of the book of Zephaniah. We didn't even talk about it. He read this, and I was like, God, you're doing this this morning. I love it. John read it, Zephaniah. God's people should shout. Did you know you are commanded to shout? It is okay to shout. Anybody? Hello? Here, let's just practice right now. We're just going to give it our best Ric Flair, to, uh, Ric Flair impression. I'm going to count to three, and we're just going to shout this morning. I know somebody snuck in your house last night and stole one extra hour of sleep, but I just believe that you can do this with me, all right? So I'm going to count to three, and on three, we're going to shout. One, two, three. Woo! There you go, man. There you go. We're going to do something else. Did you know that the Bible says, raise your hands. Lift, your, lift up holy hands in worship. We celebrate. We live. Well, I don't do that. Listen, I bet if I took you to a game, I bet if I took you to a concert of your favorite band, some of y'all all the time, free bird, woo! Right? But I don't lift hands in church. Come on, Summit. So again, on three, we're just going to lift our hands up right here. Some of y'all didn't put deodorant on and your neighbor's going to suffer, but we're going to make it. All right, so here we go. Here we go. On three, just put them up. That's all you got to do. One, two, three. Put them up, everybody. See, boom, there we go. Look, look, put them down, put them down. Check your neighbor. Are they okay? Anybody okay? Everybody okay? We got, we got, we got some medics in the room right now. Right? See, we're having fun this morning. I'm trying to get you in. Because God says, listen, listen, passion for God is normal. 
Think, oh, it's weird to be excited about Jesus. This is not what Jesus says in Revelation 2. What's weird, what's out of step, is when I lose my first love, and I'm more excited about something I see online or some movie that I'm about to watch. Or I'm more excited about, about money or just fill in the blank. I'm more excited about fill in the blank than I am Jesus, who He is, and what He's done in my life. See, here's the thing. You already know how to worship. You're already doing it, man. You're already doing it. What if you just redirected it and shot it up to the One who deserves it all, Jesus Christ? Right? That's all, that's all Jesus is saying. You've lost your first love. So we've got to remember what, we, what, what, what God's done. Remember what we did at first. One more thing before we get to the last point, and I just want to bring this up. Notice this, this, this is a letter to a church, not an individual. It's a letter to a church, not an individual. So when He says you in this letter, most of the time when the New Testament says you, it's not talking to a you individual, it's talking to a you church. So really, you'll relate to this. So really, in the New Testament, when you see the word you, just translate it and say this, y'all. Y'all. Y'all done lost your first love. That's what Jesus is saying. Talking to a whole church. Y'all lost your first love. But y'all can get it back. If you remember what God's done for you, remember some things you did at first. Are there things that you used to do as a Christian that helped you love Jesus more and for some reason you stopped? I want to give you permission to do it again. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. I just feel late to say this and we're done. We'll, we'll move on. Um, some of you are like, well, I can't lift my hands. I can't shout. I can't do these things because I don't feel it. It's not a genuine experience. That's a lie from the devil. That's a lie from the devil. If you wait to be obedient to God until you feel it, you will never be obedient. Right? See, look, your feelings and emotions matter, but they don't, they don't need to be the engine that's driving everything. Right? Here's what happens. If you take the step, if you take the step and obey, I guarantee your feelings will follow. The best time to pray is when you don't want to. The best time to come to church is when you don't want to come to church. Right? The best time to lift your hands and sing... It's when you don't want to do it. So remember what God has done. Remember what you did at first. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. We're done. We're done. We're done. We need to repent of other loves. It's exactly what he said. Remember where you've fallen. Repent. Repent. Confess it. It's a sin. Confess it. This is something to confess to God and be repented of every time it comes. And so today... Today, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to do something this morning, okay? Maybe the Holy Spirit has just convicted you and said, you, you have lost your first love. And you can get it back. Did you know that? Mark, I've lost my first love. Well, you know what? It's not over. Because you can get it back. If you repent, of other loves. Here's the deal. The things that take God's place in our lives are usually, probably nobody, this is probably true for a lot of us in the room, maybe probably everybody, the things that take the place of God in our lives are usually not horribly sinful things. Usually, they're good things that have become ultimate things. Right? Good things that have become ultimate things. And what we need to do when that happens is we need to say, God, forgive me. I've been given the love and worship that you deserve to someone or something, 
else. So this morning, this morning, if the Spirit of God just convicted you, maybe you look good on the outside, but on the inside you've lost your first love. Maybe you're doing a lot of Christian things on the outside, but on the inside you've lost your first love. Maybe you've got great doctrine, but on the inside you've lost your first love. Maybe you are passionate and excited about every single other thing. You're a Christian, you're a believer, but you've lost your first love. Say, Mark, I want it back. What do I do? Remember what God's done for you. Remember what you did at first and repent of other loves. I want to lead us in a time of prayer. And if the Spirit of God is moving in your life and you just feel convicted, I've lost my first love, I want to challenge you to do something bold because I think it takes a bold move to get your first love back. I want to challenge you to do something bold. Get up out of your seat. Come up front to the altar and just pray and cry out to God. Say, God, I want my first love back. Now, if you're here, you're here, and you say, Mark, this is not me. Mark, Mark, I don't feel like I've lost my first love. Then praise God, you keep going down the road that you and Jesus are on. But if you are here and you just feel convicted, I've lost my first love, you can get it back. I want to challenge you to do something bold. Get up and come up. Cry out to God. God, restore to me my first love. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you just help us as a church not to do everything right, not to do all kinds of, of things and, and look good on the outside. And we do not love you the way that you deserve. Father, worship is something we know we, we know how to do. We're already doing it, but maybe we're just directing it to the wrong things. Jesus, there are people here today, maybe that they just know you. They're your sons and daughters, but on the inside, they realize, I've lost my first love. And God, today, we want, we want our first love back. And so if that's you, if the Spirit of God's convicted you of that, I just want to challenge you. Get up out of your seat and come up front right now. Now let's just get on our knees and let's just cry out to God. Say, God, give me back my first love. Anybody in the room this morning, just come on. Just come on. If, you, if anybody in the room say, that's me today, I just want to challenge you. Get up out of your seat right now and say, Mark, I feel like I've lost my first love and I want to get God back in the place He deserves in my life. You just get up out of your seat and you come right now. If anybody in the room, that's you. Don't wait. See if somebody else comes. Man, I just need my first love back. If that's you today, you come. I just want to give us a moment to stay in this place here and just to examine our hearts and see what do we love, what do we worship. If you need prayer this morning, I would love to pray with you. You come on. If you just need to cry out to God this morning, you just come. You just come. As people are coming and just making a move at Let's just give God space here today to say, God, I just want my first love back. My love and hunger for you. And Father, right now, just as we are in this moment where we're just examining our hearts, Father, if there is something that's just specifically, this is in the way, this thing is in the way of our love for you. 
Father, I pray that right now you would deal with us about it. God, that we would be so convicted that we would want to turn from it, drop it, so that we can have our first love back. In fact, you might be here today, and if you are here and you say, Mark, there is something in the way of my love for God. There is something in the way, and I know what it is. And I need prayer that I would confess it and begin to deal with it in Jesus' name. If that's you, just put your hand up right now. I just know I've got something in the way, and Mark, I need to begin to deal with it. Anybody in the room? Just put your hand up. Amen. Amen. You might be here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. You're not, you're not a Christian. And today you want to be saved. You want to experience the love of God for the very first time. If that's you today, I just want to pray a prayer. And, I, and, and I'm asking you right now, this is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. But today, if you want to give your life to Jesus, surrender your life to Him for the very first time, right there where you sit, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Father, come into my life and save me this morning. I give my life to you.